There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So good day, guys. Today in the house, we have a very special someone. He transcends the financial world and the startup world. You know, having done his runs with some of the largest financial firms out there like Morgan Stanley Japan and Citigroup, he has honed his investment philosophy around asset allocation and has created his own trademark strategy called ERAA, Economic Regime-Based Asset Allocation. Honestly, I didn't even know you can trademark an investment strategy. <laughs> but three years ago, he found his way into Stash Away, currently one of the leading robo-advisors in the market. So let's welcome co-founder and chief investment officer, Mr. Freddie Lim. Hi there, everyone. Cool. Pleasure Thanks for here. tuning in. I'm very happy to have you. And we're going to have a good time trying to dig deeper into Freddie's head to understand a little bit more why he do what he do and the kind of investment strategy that he has for Stash Away and for himself. So without further ado, let's start, you know, with trying to understand why did you even start Stash Away? How did you like swim yourself into Stash Away? What got you into this space? <laughs> uh well, thank you for uh, for for, for uh, inviting me here. Um, well, I was on the sideline uh, because I spent so much of my career um, in in mainstream banking and fund management. I half of it is banking, and the other half is actually being sole ideas too and being the fund manager, making decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're seeing all these revolutions that's taking place in fintech, and you started wondering, like, you know, the initial wave of fintech was like. People didn't really know finance that well, but they were just applying tech. And there was more about automation and user interface. And then you started thinking, mm, can I do something about this? Take it to the next level, right? So, and then it get worse. The each just got worse as time passes. You just can't take it anymore. Virtually out of the blue, I quit my job as a managing director and global head of uh, derivatives and the mirror. I just quit and without a plan. And I was on my own for a year uh, trying to build my B2B robo before I met my, my co-founders, right? So mm-hmm. it was the itch that really takes mm-hmm. me. So. <laughs> so essentially, it's all this pent-up desire to make a change and try something different, and which got you out and you know get to where you are today, right? I left, be- I left before bonus announcements because I left at the end of the year. <laughs> Not very wise. <laughs> Just couldn't take it anymore. It happens. It happens. <laughs> you know, it's like a startup thing, right? If you really believe in what you're trying to do, and then the moment comes, you just kind of, you just kind of go. Of course, I, I believe that you have managed your personal finance very well, huh? I mean, I mean, <laughs> you you are in this space. This is what you do, right? So, uh, I think maybe some of our audience are pretty interested to understand your viewpoint as to what is happening currently in the market. 
right? Because given the whole situation as of now, right, uh, I think everything is quite messy. Lah, huh? Everybody has their own view and trying to understand what is going on. So from your perspective and maybe also from Stash Away's perspective, um, I'm curious, do you see any opportunity pockets that we can do, you know, kind of capitalize going forward? Like maybe a specific sector or like a country that we want to focus on? I, I think before I answer the question, it's, it's good to step back uh, just a little bit and, and, and then acknowledge that it is really, really difficult um, for a person who is not a professional in investing, right, uh, to dissociate the things that's happening around us and our emotions as a result of that from the markets. The markets are very, dif- they are very difficult to understand. Just so you know, we rebounded 26, 27 percentage point from the bottom on 23rd March. A lot of people in this channel probably will be scratching their head. I thought the world is ending, right? <laughs> the world is always ending, as in any Marvel comics, but there was always, you know, you were still around. Um, so I want to start with that, and, and knowledge is difficult. And then now is my view. Um, what's going on is the COVID-19 led to these shutdowns of cities and economies to avert contagion. The shutdown means a complete stop of loss of output. If you are shut down for a month, you can just simplistically think about it as losing one month of your yearly GDP. So if the U.S. is producing $20 trillion a year, we just lost one twelfth of $20 trillion, right? So you got to just think about the number. And then at the aggregate general market level, you start thinking about the policy stimulus from governments and central banks and start thinking about how do they stack up against the loss of output. But of course, it's not as simple as that scenario analysis. How many months of shutdown? Do we get a second wave, third wave, right? Then on the stimulus side, it's also not easy to understand. let me go on. A dollar given by the government to us will be spent. It will be just a dollar, one for one. But a dollar that's pumped by the central bank is going to multiply. Because our banking system is a fractional one, um, in the banking system, let's say you have $100, the banks only need to hold $10 of required reserve and lend out the other 90 The person getting the 90 if theoretically put it back to the banking system, then another $9 will be withheld and will lend out the other 81. And so it multiplies, and the theoretical maximum in this example is 10 times. The actual number in the US, the velocity of M1 money, which is the most important thing for consumer transactions, is 5.6 times. And you know what happened last few weeks? The Federal Reserve just say to banks that required reserve ratio is gonna go to zero. You can pump and lend all you want. You don't need to hold any reserve. So they're trying to make the velocity of money faster and then they're going to pump the market, right? So you're going to start calculating these numbers, how they stack up against how many months of shutdown. Summary, there are way more than what we have shut down so far. That's why the market went back up. Fascinating. Cool, definitely. And I just want to point it out there that what you're trying to tell us is that there is no actually direct correlation between the economy and the financial markets. They are related, but they're not directly correlated, right? With all these kind of inter, interim jack with the Fed and the low interest rate and all these kind of money pumping into the system. Is that what I'm getting? 
Yeah, um, in the absence of this, the market correlates eventually to the economy. But with this intervention that's of unprecedented speed and size and the multiplier effect, it means that the market could disconnect from the real physical economy. The gloom and doom, don't get me wrong, the gloom and doom in the economy will linger much longer. Some companies will be permanently damaged or go bankrupt. Some people lost jobs and will take time to find it. That is still going to happen. But you will be scratching your head. We have all this negative that's happening and the market is up. So that is what we have seen in the post-2008 global financial crisis. Right? It, the only difference is this time, everything is bigger, faster. Cool. Yeah, actually, that is what I believe also. Lah. <laughs> So I'm very happy. Yeah, I'm very happy that we're aligned. That is cool. But you know, there's this um like of course there are many concerns out there in the market. But at this point in time, every strategy has its plus and its minus, right? So with this with the Fed pushing uh, asset prices up, it will ensure that they have the kind of leverage to then borrow more, ensure asset prices is just kind of stabilize the economy. But on the on the downside, it's probably it's probably gonna lead to like so much dollar inflow in the market, right? Which has a propensity to then push towards like higher prices, inflation essentially. So given such a backdrop, right? Do you think the US dollar will, will kind of devalue itself or revalue itself? Um, I think it's a more complex than that because it's not just the US doing it. And so far, the US has probably done eleven percent of its GDP. And the Singapore side, let's say dollar sing, right? Singapore side has done exactly the same, 11% of its own GDP. So in absolute number, Singapore is smaller, but its economy is smaller, but percent impact is the same. So in that case, that's why dollar, uh, dollar versus sing did not actually move a lot, right? But over time, we know that the Fed is a bigger central bank, a more important economy. And you can safely say given enough time, yes, the US dollar could very well depreciate more versus other currencies. And, and that is one risk in the market, which is why stuff like gold goes up a lot. Gold is a natural hedge for uh, paper money and also inflation. So um, that, that's the reason why this is going up. And uh, uh, everything happens for a reason. And it's just a matter of time. So, Yeah, definitely cool stuff. And I, I think I just want to double down on that. When you talk about gold as a natural hedge, right? I think a lot of people have the question is, why is gold a natural hedge? Right? It's like, it seems like there's correlation, but I don't really get it also. Like, why is it a natural kind of hedge for, for currency risk? So it's a great question. Um, so you, you just start me on a rampage. <laughs> I, uh, prior to this call, I was on a call with State Street and the, the panel and the seminar was exactly on gold. <laughs> just today this morning. Um, okay, uh, first of all, a bit of history for you. Um, our banking system was based on the gold standard in 1970s. And the gold standard was the reason why US dollar became today's reserve currency. Because back then, we'd make a choice of physically backing money because of a lack of confidence, right? And also economies were smaller, less international, less complex. But as time goes by, the, the system starting starting to break down because economies couldn't grow and find enough money, enough supply of gold. You need paper, right? You know, but you don't have that paper. You can't really grow the money supply. You can't really uh, borrow to, to invest and expand a factory, for example. And it's not easy. So we started weaning ourselves off a physically backed banking system to one of a US dollar. The US dollar is backed at a certain ratio to the gold. 
And then we also move out of that eventually because uh, one to uh, one to certain ratio is still a constraint. The world is growing too fast. So we move ourselves away and went to a fractional banking system. The one that I just mentioned where the marvelous feature is the money multiplier, a dollar pumped by central bank growth by X times. So that's how we got here today. And gold, uh, because it was the chosen precious commodities, precious meaning a limited supply under the ground, about 191,000 tons have been mined off the ground. There's only about 54,000 tons left unmined and harder to reach. The unit cost of getting to the remaining 54,000 tons are going up by three to four times over the last few years. It's costing more and more money to mine it. And it's difficult to produce in large quantity with synthetics. So overall, that contributed to a certain scarcity that makes it precious metal. So that's the number one reason why it was the, the one that backed the banking system in the first place. So, and second, you will realize that every central bank in the world, Chinese central bank, European, all the individual countries, every single year, they're systematically buying gold quietly. Let me put it out there. We have Brexit. The COVID-19 make a lot of uh, individual countries in the European Union very unhappy about the size of the government rescue packages that's been approved. It's deemed unfair, right? Germany get 350 billion. Italy got, I don't know, 25, that's puny. So there's such rift that's growing, growing them apart. And there could be a case where the European Union one day can break up for two reasons. France and Germany type say, enough of uh, shouldering the burden of the laggards, I'm leaving. Or the laggards say, hey, stop telling me how not to spend the budget. I, I need to solve other problems, and they choose to leave. Either way, the, when they break up, the individual countries will be on their own and have to issue new paper currency. This new paper currency will have to be, at first, backed by something precious so that it anchor and create a stable paper currency first. Then over time, when things are established, you start to move yourself away from that standard and go to a fractional banking system. So that's a stage thing. They're preparing for a new first stage if the euro break out, right? So this is unspoken thing that's going on in the world that a lot of people don't talk about. And that's one reason why Go is doing well. One of the many reasons. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I can yeah, go on for two I mean, days. I'll stop here. <laughs> I'm sure, man. Like, like you know, it's a we get it. Like a lot of people are buying gold. A lot of these central banks are buying gold, and because they have their physical presence, they back the currency and make kind of make it legit, right? But does that mean that? I, I just want to poke a little further. Does that mean that, right? If central banks stop holding gold, then gold essentially loses its value. Um, central bank is not the 100% of the picture. Um, jewelry is a big part. Central bank is actually just one part of it, uh, actually quite small. Um, but there's also um, uh, 
Gold is also used for industrial purposes, actually. It's mixed in certain components. Even though it's very small, uh, it, it is uh, used. So there's a lot of diversified uses of gold. So think about it this way. In good times, everybody buy jewelry. Then gold attracts demand from jewelry. And then central bank is always there. Maybe not demand from us normal investor because we want to buy stocks in good times. Okay. That's okay. Gold still do okay. In bad times, what happens? Everybody don't buy stocks, they have cash. Then the central bank now pump the money so much, right? We are worried about dilution of the purchasing power. So we buy gold, right? And scarcity, you know. So in either way, there's this picture of gold being a stable asset class for a multi-asset portfolio where the gold part provides with you portfolio insurance. It can insure you partially against a market crash. It can also help you hedge, meaning insured against higher inflation. So it serves two purposes. So everyone should have a certain amount of gold in their portfolio regardless. Uh, it's not a trading view. It's actually a uh, sort of a portfolio construction opinion. You need it regardless for risk management as well. Yeah, and I mean, that fits into your underlying principle, which is the asset allocation strategy, right? I mean, I read your ERAA, so I get it, the all-weather strategy, and you, know, you want to hold a multiple asset class so that you're fairly diversified and you're kind of stabilized through that growth trajectory of the different markets and different cycle, right? So at, at this point in time, I think for a lot of uh, people out there, they're too, still trying to explore, you know, robo-advisors like yourself, you know, um, what do you think is the kind of long-term growth consensus based on the equity market at this point in time? Where should they go towards finding growth for their portfolio? I, I think, um, firstly, even in a recession, there's opportunities. So it's not just about good times and you invest in growth. Um, I, I, of course, uh, it really depends. Um, I, on our platform, we do not have static permanently unchanged portfolio. So that means that if the economic scenario, the rate of change and leading indicators suggest that we're heading towards a bad scenario, there are opportunities in even a recession where it's going to be more bond heavy, but I won't go too detail, but even in the bond space, there's a lot of differentiation you can find. So for example, in the initial phase of a recession, central bank cut rates, short-term bonds goes up, right? Short-term rate goes down, short-term price goes up bond prices. So short-term bonds go, you can allocate there. But if the recession is more entrenched, it's not going away, then the midterm bonds will be the next one to go uh, well. And then if it's like a super deflationary situation like Japan in the 90s and 2000, and I lived there for one and a half decade, I've seen it happen. You buy a super long data bond to as like to know tomorrow. So that's a different maturity Issue, even when it comes to safe government bonds, there's many different opportunities, right? Um, then in good times, of course, um, everything would tend to do well, uh, but then there's also differentiation in terms of if something is more overvalued, would you park your money in another place where it's less overvalued, but it's anyway correlated to this other thing? So that's a sort of a approach that one can think about. So our algorithm is a lot more uh, robust and dynamic and rich in the feature. To, or to handle a variety of economic environment and scenario. So that's so that, that's what I'm trying to differentiate with just thinking about growth. There's also protective, there's also opportunities in different situations. Yeah, fascinating science. Cool stuff, man. I, I'm sure we all have a lot to learn as we go along, you know, but 
Um, I think when I when I look at it, what Stash Away is trying to position itself is like this, like one stop solution, right? You just come, use us, and then we just kind of manage this whole thing for you. All right, so it's it's really more like a plug and play law, right? I join the platform and then I choose the kind of palette that I'm comfortable in, and then you guys will just handle everything. All right, it, and with with that, right? I think for most people that like kind of know a little bit of investing, they'll be pretty interested to kind of hear where you guys see the market going forward, right? You know, so now with all these kind of turmoil and everything, right? Where would you guys see it going ahead? Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, if I pin some numbers down for you, um, $2.3 trillion of Federal Reserve uh, stimulus um, so far is going to be multiplied by 5.6 times. Um, I can't do the math. It's about $12.8 trillion. And the government, the U.S. Congress has approved direct aid to consumer and small, medium enterprises, airline, what have you a total of about $2 trillion. So we have $14.8 trillion of compounded eventual impact uh, given a few months. And the U.S. economy is $20 trillion a year. So we have just priced in uh, seven and a half months worth of uh, shutdown. We're shutting down two months, in, two months in China. They are slowly unfreezing. The U.S. is about a month and a half now, right? So we are just going to shut down by two months or three months we're completely okay in terms of how the stimulus stacks up against the loss of output. Of course, there are specific losers and winners that, have, that will remain unchanged. Airlines, tough. Hotels, tough. Restaurants, tough, depending on how you conduct your business. But the aggregate stock market doesn't care about specific sectors. It cares only about the aggregate broad measure of value. So it's actually very difficult for an uh, investor who's specialized in specific industry, because you really got to understand even how inefficient or efficient are government in administering their stimulus. You got to know all the mechanics. It's almost impossible. There's a lot of chaos, and right. But the average, the very diversified portfolio like Stashaway, super diversified multi-asset class, we actually do not care about specific sector exposure inefficiencies. We only care about the aggregate economic level value. That's gain versus loss. And the gains are way bigger than the amount we lose. And what remains is scenario analysis, which is, are we going to have a second wave and then we shut down again? Then we're going to lose a few more. Are we going to have a third wave? And then it all function against uh, whether we have vaccines soon enough or, or whether we have good ecosystem of on-the-spot testing, tracking of people, and quarantining. Right. So it really depends on how you handle those scenarios. But what I'm happy to say is that at the moment, the policy stimulus stacks up by a huge margin against the loss so far, right? But of course, the, the path of getting there is unclear, but the final destination to me is clear. Market will normalize given time. Uh, real economy will be slower. Market will go faster. Uh, but so to me, invest, it doesn't matter for stash uh, away clients because it's part of your investment plan. You have a 30-year retirement goal. You invest monthly. You contribute to it. You're still saving. You you shouldn't, a few months or even a year of bad market shouldn't, or good or bad market shouldn't even affect your financial plan that's vigorously planned and tested, right? So if you ask about a cash buffer, risk level, schedule of investing, how much to save, how much to spend, so unless you lose a job or there's some major change in the personal life, 
that that changes your financial plans, you should not even care about any of these short-term developments. So at the end of the day, the opportunities is always there, but you don't need to react to it. It's there already at a diversified portfolio level. <laughs> cool. I, I love that. And I, I get where you're coming from. The investment philosophy, it's it's very strong. And I think some of my listeners, they have this one question for you, right? It's like, okay, now you guys are what I believe are one of the leaders in the market or maybe even the leaders in the market, you know, but some people are still curious, you know, what sets you apart from other people, right? So uh, maybe you could just kind of chime in and share with us a little bit. What makes Stash Away different? Um, I think uh, the user first have to decide what attributes are most important for yourself. For example, me, I care about safety of the custody of the money. And I spent a lot of time in the past, even when I signed up with a brokerage platform, studying the fine print, who's holding the money, uh, am I exposed to other clients of the platform? And so we that's one of the major pain points. So Satchway has gone through a lot of such pain points and addressed it because in our mind, the competition is not against other robo. We're all trying to improve on the existing uh, incumbents, the traditional asset management firms and the banking the current, the current practices in the banks. We are, first of all, trying to, to tackle that. And then any additional on top of that is specific to stash away for sure. But first on the robot bit, I think uh, versus traditional the, is that full flexibility, no lockups, no minimums. Uh, you can get your money back anytime. Uh, you can invest anytime. The, the, the fees are low. Uh, you get your money whenever you wish. If there's personal circumstances that you need your money. But traditional firms would lock you up and they're less flexible. And this is brought about by technology, right? The reason you have a fund with one risk level, one strategy for everybody, so inflexible, right? But everybody's different. Individual A has different life goal, different time frame, different risk. And another guy, but everybody is uh, been forced to invest in the same fund, in the fund concept. Where Stash Away and the other robo, what we have disrupted is that concept goes away. Everybody now has a personalized, customized uh, strategy and risk level timeline, and that's catered to your needs, right? I think that's number one. Um, so I think all robot does that, better user interface, uh, speed, right, and all, and all that. Now, on stash away versus the competition within the robot space, um, I would say users have to determine the level of licensing. Like I said, the custody of money, uh, whether something is safe depends on how regularly, how heavily you are regulated. And as you know, Stash Away is one of the, the first and one of the still remain the few robots out there in the region that's regulated at the highest retail level. We got a capital market services license at the retail fund management level uh, in, in Singapore, which and Malaysia is the digital version, which means we can service anybody, including a hedge fund, including a family office, including the average person who doesn't know as much. Savvy or not, we cover them all. And we can do so because we are regulated very regularly and at a very stringent level. So to me, that's my personal number one priority when I invest in something, right? So, but a user may like interface. I just like the cool interface. Maybe Stash Away is better or someone else. But it's a personal preference. Then I can't say for sure for the person. But for me, safety of money, among other reasons. Uh, I mean, that's the investment framework. Um, the investors behind Stashaway, the, uh, the founding teams and employee, the size of the firm, or 
is there are a lot of other factors, but I would just focus you on the one or two that I personally immediately care about. That is very, very cool. And I get it that you guys are trying to disrupt this whole, you know, um, banking, fund management, kind of insurance sector. Okay, maybe not directly the insurance sector, but that's my question, right? Are you guys going to push it one step further in your product development line to even cover things like P2P transfer or even like insurance policy? So you become that one-stop app, you know, for personal finance. Yeah, Is there anything in the pipeline? Are we looking at that? We are always looking at doing better. And uh, so that means product, uh, more products, more planning tools, and also more countries. Uh, as a firm, that's where we are ultimately looking at. So on, on more, you are talking about more uh, product and features and other uh, sort of uh, part of your life you want to be on stash away. That's a gradual phase process. We believe in organic growth and not burning like crazy to, to try to do everything under the sun and not do anything well. Uh, so we are a ve- our culture is a very focused, organic one. And so at the moment, we're still trying to improve the uh, kind of investment portfolios that we have on our platform. So as you knew, uh, we have the global core portfolio. We have the income generating portfolio in Malaysia, and also Singapore. We want to find something in Malaysia over time and other countries. Income is suitable for older age group or even retired folks who wants an income stream to pay for expenses in retirement, whereas a younger person wants to grow their portfolio to hit their lifetime targets and to fight inflation. But there's also the third category uh, we call Stash Away Simple. We're going to also try to launch it in Malaysia over time. It's a cash management product where uh, rather than park in fixed D and get locked up for a year, getting a way lower yield than than our version with two days, you only need two days' notice if you get the money back and higher yielding than a one-year fixed date, right? So we also would look into that part of the lives of a person's financial life. But this is still a small part of the overall personal finance, right? We still have things like, uh, like you said, insurance. Who knows? When we are able to be better or in the core business uh, to like, like way better than there's so much to do, right? Let's get to a really advanced level there. And then we can maybe always consider other uh, products or features to bring into the platform. But before doing all the other things, that's cool. We need a cool financial planning tool in the app. And that's what we're working on. Helping people set life goals and based on the goal and the needs, direct them to different portfolios. Is it income? Is it growth? Is it cash? Is it insurance policy in your example? And that will be more empowering, more targeted, more optimized than just doing everything under the sun. As you know, the app is small, right? On your cell phone, we have limited real estate uh, in terms of how much you can save, right? So we want to make sure it's optimum for the user experience. So planning to definitely we're working on that first. Nice, cool stuff. And yeah, I play around the apps. Free user-friendly, really cool stuff. But on that line on product development, right? I think we, we wind back a little bit on the kind of like investment exposure that you can provide for the clients. And I think where I'm trying to drive is that, you know, China being a global player today and probably going to be even more of a global player going forward, right? From your professional ex- uh, viewpoint, where do you think is China's role in the global financial markets? And are you guys going to kind of create an Asia or China-centric product for your investors in StashAway? Um, excellent, ex- excellent point. Um, 
Okay, uh, if I step back, currently um, our trading currency is the U.S. dollar primarily, but it's not invested in U.S. Uh, depending on the portfolio, some portfolio as low as 15% in U.S.-based assets, some as high as 80%. It depends on the risk level. But on average, no, we are not uh, trading only in U.S. That's the first thing. But Chinese role is going to expand over time, and especially with what's happened in the last few years. The trade war that Donald Trump has instigated has made the, China, uh, the Chinese more have a more sense of urgency now uh, to develop further their domestic financial system, but which can only happen by liberating the currency a bit more. And at the same time, they do not trust the U.S. The trust is lacking, obviously. That they are also trying not to accumulate too much U.S. dollar reserve, which is why they are buying gold. The PBOC, People's Bank of China, buy 100 plus billion dollars of gold last year. It's going to be systematic. So those things are going to happen because of that. The Chinese are going to prepare. But the what's most important is technology. The digital yuan is going to be a big wild card and game changer. Taking the blockchain, putting the Chinese yuan onto a blockchain. Digitizing it and letting big firms like Alibaba, Tencent, WeChat, WePay, what have you, all this on that system, and the Chinese can get it together centralized rather than the US. US will say no to Libra, right? And the Chinese are quietly working on that. That's going to be a game changer because the velocity of money digitally is going to be much faster than the normal banking system. That means you're going to quickly capture volume from the US dollar as a reserve currency. And when you do, you're going to surprise them in a very short time. This is my prediction, personal personal opinion, not statutory official, but my personal opinion, that China is massively preparing to steal reserve currency status from US, but through a digital blockchain-based yuan approach. I, I love that because I I believe that they will try their very best to capitalize on this opportunity to steal the reserve currency status. But I didn't realize that, oh yeah, because I do know that they are building blockchain, but I didn't realize that that is actually one of the fastest way to then build that kind of velocity to take over that status. All right, so... Oh, cool stuff, man. I, I want to keep chatting with you, but we have limited time, right? So, <laughs> so I think... Um, Back on that question of like, are, are we then as retail, because that is like your personal viewpoint and that is also my personal viewpoint, but as retail investors on Stash Away, are they going to be expecting that kind of product to come out that is like more China-centric and are you going to slowly shift more money to the Asian and the Chinese market for on their behalf? Thank you for giving me a second chance to elaborate more. Um, yes, we are actually looking at adding more China innovation funds into our mix in fact, in up my hint, in our next re-optimization of portfolio coming soon this year, it will include the universe will expand to uh, Chinese innovations. Um, but also uh, on the existing platform, we have Asia X Japan, an ETF that tracks it. AAXJ is listed on the NASDAQ. Uh, that's 39%, nearly 40% of that whole ETF is exposed to China and 18% South Korea, 58% trade war exposed a couple of years back, but that blow over. But the Chinese uh, exposure can be regained through an allocation to AAXJ on our platform. And actually, we used to have it. We used to have 15% on AAXJ across the board. That means people are having 6% on China. And we are adding innovation funds. So the, our investable universe is actually uh, a lot of ETFs, more than the users seeing. The user only saw what's being invested, which typically 
ranges from seven to 12 ETFs, depending on which portfolio. But that's only choosing from a mix of hundreds or hundreds of ETFs that's already in our system. And then depending on the economic numbers, the leading indicator and the valuation of the assets, the algorithm will optimize and over time, start moving out of one, go to another, uh, start choosing different things and mix and match. So that's why you will see differences over time. Uh, that, that's not a human process. That's actually still an algorithmic uh, process. And we are, based on my interpretation of the signal, we're heading towards China Innovation Funds, Asia, Japan allocation more. Out of Europe, out of the US, we're going to reduce it. Likely. So uh, that's so cool. That's so cute. You built this algorithm and then you're observing the algorithm. Ah, I think the algorithm will do this. Huh? <laughs> I'm the interpreter or the translator for something I have built and have no control of. I cannot tell the algorithm what to do. I can only check the inputs, the inputs that go into the algorithm. I chair a committee, investment committee that provide independent checks and oversight, right? But I don't tell it what to do. <laughs> it is so, so cute and so interesting. And I'm so happy to have this chat with you because honestly, on the digital front, there are limited understanding on the kind of investment philosophy that you share, right? Because there, I mean, there's so little that is going out there as of now, right? So I'm very happy that you've come on the show and actually share with us a much more detailed breakdown as to how you see the market outlook, what is your investment ideology and where do you see the portfolio driving towards? So with that, I, I want to just thank you again for coming on the show and, you know, we will definitely have you again, right? Uh, anytime <laughs> you want, uh, my pleasure. Be here. Yeah, cool stuff. We'll definitely have you again and see you around. Stay healthy. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.